What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right. Should our word be Rolling Stone? I was about to say that. Love that. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone. Yay. The Rolling, Rolling Stone, Stone article. I'm excited to break it down. Let's get to it. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Consider with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. Happy after Thanksgiving. I know. Or happy uh, after the weekend to anyone, our international listeners. Um, As of this episode, we're ranked number 27 in Germany. (gasps) Really? That's exciting. Hi, Germany. I know. I have more to say about that later when we get into talking about the bulk of today's episode yes um in the rolling stone article um but yeah i saw that and i was like every time i see us ranked in another country i'm like i can't believe it i can't believe you're all here it makes my heart really happy hey australia yeah (laughs) but before we really get into like you said the episode today i know that you want to introduce the book club books Yes, because speaking of Thanksgiving, on Thursday, we had our Adrienne Young episode come out. Yes. I love her so much. What a plot twist that she was such a big Gilmore Girls fan. Yeah. Next week, I'm interviewing Rebecca Ross, who did Divine Rivals, which was our November pick. So if you have any questions for her that you want to submit, you can do it in the club lobby on Fable, or you can DM um, on our Gilmore to Read Instagram, which is just Gilmore to Read. Um, But for December, I'm super excited because we have yet another Gilmore Girls fan who is the author of this book, which is Love Light Farms by BK Borison. She is a huge team Jess girly. <gasps> Love. So Love her I'm already. so excited to have her on the podcast for a holiday-ish sort of episode because Love Light Farms is, of course, a holiday novel. Love. Um, I'll read the back of the book to you. Two best friends fake date to reach their holiday happily ever after in this first romantic comedy in the Love Light series. A pasture of dead trees, a hostile takeover of the sandal farm by a family of raccoons, and shipments that have mysteriously gone missing. Love Light Farms is not the magical winter wonderland of Stella Bloom's dreams. In an effort to save the Christmas tree farm she's loved since she was a kid, love saving a Christmas tree farm. Stella enters a contest with Instagram famous influencer Evelyn St. James. With the added publicity and the $100,000 cash prize, Stella might just be able to save the farm from its financial woes. There's just one problem. To make the farm seem like a romantic destination for the holidays, she lied on her application and said she owns Love Light Farms with her boyfriend. Only there is no boyfriend. Mm. Enter best friend Luca Peters. He just stopped by for some hot chocolate and somehow got a farm and a serious girlfriend in the process. But fake dating his best friend might just be the best Christmas present he's ever received. How fun. I've already started reading it. I'm like 50 pages in. And like she is such a funny author. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like laughing out loud laughing. Laughing out loud laughing. LOLing. Yeah. (laughs) Laughing out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing out loud laughing. I am laughing out loud laughing. It's really funny. Like, she is Team Jess, but it's giving kind of Lorelai and Luke vibes. It's a small town. It's Christmas time. It's very cute. I'm already super loving this book, and I can't wait to talk to the author about it because she has really strong Gilmore Girls opinions, Mm. and we love that. Mm -hmm. So, like, a little, if you want a little holiday book, read this with us for Reading is Sexy. I'm excited. I'm already loving it. Um, But for Where You Read, I Will Follow, we are doing a little special book called um, Talking As Fast As I Can. Ever heard of it? By a little well-known author, a little indie author by the name of Lauren Graham. Yeah. Um, 
this one's super fun because we are going to read it with our friend Tara. Um, Tara's coming to read with us this month and we're going to do like a special like Gilmore to say, Gilmore to read episode of talking as fast as I can, going through the book. If you all have any questions, whether this is going to be like your first time reading it or I don't know, your 10th time reading it, I think it's going to be really fun to go through it together as a club, as a podcast, and then talk about it. And if you don't know what this is, it is uh, kind of like an essays, memoir of Lauren Graham's time on Gilmore Girls in the past and talking about the revival and coming back to do it. And she has like a Gilmore Girls marathon and she talks about all of her thoughts about the show. So I think it's going to be super fun, especially because next year we're going to do the club a little bit different where where you read all follow the books will be for two months instead of for one month because they're usually books that are a bit more dense, Mm. a bit longer, just to give people more time. And reading a sexy will stay the same. What we'll do month to month and interviews with the author at the end of the month. But I'm really excited to read Talking As Fast As I Can with you. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't read it since it came out in 2016, so I'm very excited. And I'm really excited because I got this in Washington Depot when we were there. Mm. Um, And it just felt fun to like buy it in like fake or real Stars Hollow rather than fake Stars Hollow because Stars Hollow is fake as much as we want it to be real. Um, But it says with a new bonus chapter in it. Oh, that's exciting. I don't think I've read the bonus chapter. I don't think I have either. But I'm excited. Yeah. It's like a deleted scene. It's like a deleted scene. We love it. Um, But what's really exciting, if you want to read Love Light Farms and you have a Spotify membership, Love Light Farms is on Spotify Premium because Spotify just started doing audiobooks. Oh, exciting. So you can read it on Fable. You can buy a physical copy or you can listen to the audiobook with your Spotify membership. Love. That's great. I know. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited. Great choices. (laughs) Great choices, Haley. Peruse. You know, I love love your book love choices. I'm excited. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, we ended up releasing our season three recap, which was so funny because we had had it in the can since like July and it was just yeah. sitting there. And <laughs> we recorded um, it so long ago. <laughs> and then we decided to release it on a whim. We were like, great, the SAG strike is suspended. Let's release this episode. And we wanted to do a little intro to kind of introduce it because we couldn't just release it as it was. We had to say something yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Because it was just like suddenly like this episode in the middle of like the week that was not the normal time. Yeah, we released just it on like Thursday. thrown up there. Yeah, just yeah. kind of tossing it out there. And we were really excited to finally release it because people have been asking about it. Like, when can you release the season three recap? And we didn't want to do it while the strike was still in effect. And so now that it was suspended, we were like, great, we can finally release this. Uh, we started season four on Patreon last Friday. So it was a really exciting time. Um, but it was so funny because I hadn't listened to the end of the episode when we recorded the intro. And I was like, gosh, I'm so excited for our, our predictions. I don't even remember what we said. And <laughs> yeah. what really cracked me up is that I'm listening to the end of this episode as I'm editing it for it to go up. This was after we recorded the intro. And at the end of the intro, you said something to the effect of like, I predict I'll have predictions. And I said, you definitely will. And then I'm listening to the end of the episode. And we're like, you know what? Let's do our season four predictions next episode. And then we never, ever did them. And it was just so funny to hear you listen. Because the strike immediately started afterwards. But it was just so funny to listen to you (laughs) say, I predict I'll have predictions. And I was like, you definitely will. No, you will not. (laughs) You had none predictions. And the only prediction did not come true. I predicted completely wrong (laughs) oh my god it was so funny so we i did you know we did say in there that we would have season four predictions so i figured we just before we really get into today's episode kind of chat about our season four predictions this is coming at a different time than when we normally do them because we of course have already recorded our season four episode one on patreon so we've already gotten a little taste of season four but i actually think that's okay i think it's all right that we got a little like 
little flavor for it. And now we can kind of go in and be like, what are our season four predictions? Yeah. So no, I, I think so, too, because like I don't think the first episode necessarily like affects predictions for the like the season as a whole, like especially because we've seen it. We of can't predict, we can't have like true predictions. It's more of like I guess like how things for us might change. Mm-hmm. Um and oddly, now I do have a prediction for real. I think that I'm going to like season 4 more than I like season 3. Well, we said that in um in our season 3 recap. We oh, maybe fun. not that we would <laughs> like it more than season 3, but that we would like it more than we've kind of discussed it in the past. We've kind of I don't want to say like tossed it aside, but it's such a mid season for both of us. It bridges the gap between our favorite seasons. So I think it sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. And so many people have come out and been like, season four is my favorite. And I understand Mm -hmm. why. Like, I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, yeah, it's a damn good season. And given how chaotic season three was, because it is, even though it's one of my comfort seasons, it's totally chaotic. It's a little all over the place story-wise. So many characters are introduced that we never see again. They make a splash. They leave. Um, I'm really excited for everything that transpires in season four because it's laying the foundation for a lot of what's about to happen in seasons five and six. Yeah. And I, I think that being a five and six, uh, favored watcher, I've never been a strong Luke fan because Luke in those seasons is not as strong as he is in the early seasons. And after having watched the first episode, like, and rewatched it, I think that this season is really going to like make me love Luke mm. in a way that I, I have been growing to love Luke in one, two, and three because mm-hmm. I do watch five and six the most and he is really disappointing as we get into those seasons. So maybe I'll be more disappointed when I get there. Mm. But I think that Luke's storyline I think is going to like be the shining star for me personally, I think. I, um, he has a really strong storyline in season four. Yeah. yeah. It, he I'm totally really interested does. to meet Marty. Yeah, we've met Marty. We know Marty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know our pal Marty. But I'm interested to like watch that unfold. Um, something I talked about on Friday on the Patreon episode is that I'm really interested to go along and see how we see Rory's like internal conflict as it relates to like the breakup with Jess. And I think that that's something that I'm really gonna watch for is like how Rory externalizes how she's feeling because I don't think she does. No, (laughs) no, she doesn't. I'm also excited to meet Jason. Yeah. And to see Lorelai kind of have a love interest outside of the trio of guys. I mean, I know we have Alex. Oh, Alex. And I know we've had other like blips of other people, but we've mostly just had this trio of Luke, Christopher, and Max. And so to introduce somebody new who like arguably from what we've talked about in the past was someone who was super compatible for her. I think it's going to yeah. be super interesting to watch with a more discerning eye. We're going to get kind of the fallout of Emily and Richard's tension with Jason. And yeah. so there's just so much that's about to happen. We're about to watch Lorelai kind of fall apart over, you know, this new Love. endeavor with the inn. Rory's going to fall apart because she's not doing as well in school as she thought she was going to. Yeah. It's just, it's about to be a whole new era for the Gilmore Girls, and I am so excited to see it. More excited than I've been for something in a while, and I think just the oomph and the power behind not doing the rewatch for the last couple months is also very exciting. Yeah. And I also feel like it's really divisive, a lot of the things that happen, like Mm -hmm. the return of Jess, her like with Dean, though I think everyone is like on the same page about Dean. Um, Jason, though. Jason is very divisive about people love him or hate him or mm-hmm. I don't know if people feel indifferent to him. Um, same with like about to get Asher. 
Though I think most people feel the same about that. A lot of these things that I'm saying, I feel like most people feel yeah. very similar. But like, at least with Jason and Marty, I feel like those are very uh, divisive uh, characters, uh, introductions. But um, everything else, yeah, I feel like everyone's on the same page about Asher and Dean. <laughs> uh, probably. <laughs> if you're not, so. intrigue. Intrigue, yeah. call in. <laughs> so I know that one of, if not your favorite episode of season four is the Lorelai's first date, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like one of my favorite in the whole series. It's just such a good episode. This is like quintessential Gilmore Girls. Totally. Is there another episode that you're really excited about? Ooh. Um. You know, I'm really excited for that like trio at the end. Mm. Like I, I think that like my predictions as far as like the trajectory of the season is like exciting in the beginning. I think I'm going to like not feel as excited in the middle section mm-hmm. when the Asher storyline starts uh, to unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the end will pick back up with me because it's like Luke can see her face, mm. raincoats and recipes, like all of those. Like I just, tights. Yeah. Like I meant like through those. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah. Th- that trio of episodes is like feels like the same sort of trio that's in season three mm-hmm. that it's just like, oh, so much happens there. Like there's just such good moments. Got the self-help tape. We've got Luke and Liz's wedding. We've got the in opening. Like that's just such a good such a good little totally little trio before we get to season five yeah which i know you'll also be excited about i'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm trying to think if there are any that i'm not excited about because there are so many that i am excited about ted koppel's big night out yes cannot wait um i love the tick 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 boom and all of that that happens the after boom and then of course like you said into luke can see her face there's just so much good here also in the clamor and the clangor Ooh, yeah i forgot about the whole nicole and luke and they break the bells and he's living in a a place in like litchfield or something i'm not wearing my socks yeah when he (laughs) says i am not wearing my socks I love that. Girls in bikinis, boys doing the twist. Yeah. Boys in bikinis, girls doing the twist. Precisely. Whichever one you want. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing so that like I'm predicting not liking. You know what I mean? Chicken or beef? Maybe chicken or beef, maybe. That might be an yeah. episode that I'm a little bit like mid on. You know, we're also about to get a lot of Lane Kim storyline. There's so much that goes on for her. Like, this is a huge Lane Kim season. I'm very excited for her growth. Growth, transformation. Yeah. What she goes through with her mom. She loses her boyfriend, but we never really see it happening. Yeah. It's like kind of inexplicably. Yeah. It's it's explained, but it's not really explained. Explained where he is, but then when they break up, we never hear about it. It just... Yeah doesn't exist anymore oh my god i know which is such a bummer but well here we are yeah but i'm excited to go along because i feel like this is not the last good season of lane but it's like the last season where i feel like a major connection to what she's doing uh well i don't know i guess season four and five get a little muddled for me when did she start showing interest in zach end of season four i think it's in five okay so we have a second before we get there. Because you jump, I jump, Jack is when they go on their first quote unquote date. Okay. But it's also when she goes to Sophie Bloom is in five. So like there's oh, that right. aspect of it. But it's like Lane as herself, I feel like is the strongest in mm. four. In season four. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. I can't wait to get into it. We're going to have so much fun. Yeah. The one thing that we didn't address was the coffee count of season three. Oh my gosh. What was it? 
It was 68. So what's so interesting about this is that season one's coffee count was 66, season two was 67, and season three was 68. Do we predict that season four is going to be 69? We have to. I feel like we have to. And it just like slowly goes up from there. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I say, We're like yeah. at a low point because if you watched on, uh, or you rather you listened on Friday to the first episode, there was only one. There so was only one cup of coffee served. So we're at a low point right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested. You know, I had completely forgotten that we do coffee count yeah. until I was about to watch the episode, the first one. And someone in our comments was like, can't wait to see what the coffee count is. And I was like, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, though. I know. Um, I'm going to predict 69. Yeah. I'm going to say 69, too, just because, like... Great. It's just the week, the next step up. I love that. For us, <laughs> this one is a collective wishing that we're as close as possible. Instead of competing <laughs> with each other, we're usually like, who can get closer? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I like that. I like know. Me, together. too. Me, it's too. It's really in the spirit of the show. Yeah. You know? Being pals, being friends, having one common goal. <laughs> totally. So those are kind of our loose season four predictions. I'm really yeah. excited to see where those fall uh, we didn't really give any least favorite episodes that, or where we think like our least favorite rankings will fall i think because we both are so uns like we're both more unfamiliar with this season than we are with any of the others and i don't think that there's any that like stick out to me as like episodes necessarily maybe storylines i don't like sure um, and so because i don't watch it as much i'm know more of storylines that I don't like rather than like episodes as a whole right um I'm really interested to see like which ones are no plot just vibes because there's always one that just yeah. like what you doing here like yeah you have no bearing on what's going on at totally. all totally totally um, which actually talking about that makes me really excited to get into the bulk of today's episode mm -hmm. because so much of like that idea of like no plots, just vibes really rang true for me in the Rolling Stone article that Amy was interviewed for. Um, it was published on October 25th earlier this year, last month, um, so like a month ago. Yeah. And it is titled Why Gilmore Girls is the Ultimate Fall TV Show. Yeah. And Amy said a lot of really interesting stuff in this article, and we were like, why don't we just have an episode about it and talk I love our it. way through it? I know. There's so much to unpack here because they really ask questions that I think we've kind of posed on our show here. Right? That's what I felt. Like, so much of what was going on in this, I was like, what was your source material? <laughs> I know. Not that we're not asking questions that anyone wouldn't ask watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah. But it just felt so much like these are a lot of the things that, like, or like reasonings why we did an autumn matter yeah. and how to have a Gilmore Girls fall. Um, and true Rory Gilmore fashion, I printed out the article from my printer and highlighted it. Of course you <laughs> with did. With key moments that I wanted to talk about. I love it. I love it so much. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 
15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Well, one of the first questions that's kind of posed and answered, well, it's posed in the intro, it's answered later in the episode, is Mm -hmm. if Gilmore Girls was intended to be a fall show, which I think has been a question that we've posed, especially as we're in the midst of the fall season. Like, did Amy really intend for this to be comfy, cozy, comfort food, feeling like you're eating a bowl of soup kind of show? You know what I mean? (laughs) And it sounds like the answer was yes and no. Like, it was kind of unintentional. But she feels like Connecticut, because she wrote the show and conceived the show when it was the fall months yeah it was October when she was at the Mayflower Inn and like visiting Mark Twain's house and this whole idea of Gilmore Girls came about and she ended up writing all of her you know initial ideas about the show and building this world it was fall so of course the show is going to feel comfy cozy and it also sounded like it had a lot to do with what was at her disposal and use within the WB yeah because it sounded like they didn't really give them a lot yeah because like that's something that I've heard about like 
in general, as it comes to Gilmore Girls, is they didn't have much of a budget. Like they were always like trying to get more um, and trying to make do with what they had. Um, that a lot of their budget, of course, went to wardrobe for our main girlies. And so a lot of the other things kind of like trickled down. And it, it was a lot of pumpkins and twinkly lights is kind of what she said. I loved of, that she um, said that. Yeah, in terms of like set decor. But she said there's a lot that you can do with pumpkins and twinkling lights and like <laughs> yeah. the aesthetic that that creates. Because at the beginning of the article it talks about that uh gilmore goals feels synonymous with autumnal goodness from the harvest set designs to the characters wardrobes which is nothing that we haven't like discussed at length in our fall episodes because so that's, just true. What it, that's what it feels like it's like this like almost like really low budget sort of fall that they created for us is a very realistic like small town fall yeah um, totally and like the fantasy of being there and yeah, like, you know, it was Washington Depot where she went mm-hmm. and it was fall time and there were pumpkins and there was apple cider and hay rides. Hay rides. And she talked about how feeling like central casting had just like placed all these people here that yeah. like this was fake. And she's like, do people really live like this? Yes and no. Yeah. I mean, when we were there, like it very much felt like, you know, very small town, very cutesy. Yeah, for but sure. But it made me wonder if it had been like springtime when she was there. Ooh. How well that would have affected the outcome of the show. Ooh, yeah. I actually didn't think about that. And it's like, we would have gotten, you know, all of the seasons and we would have gotten to fall. But like that, like core inspiration for the show mm-hmm. is so autumnal that I wonder if like maybe it wouldn't have been quite so like, you know, like intensely fall when autumn rolled around or it might have been a little bit more spring (laughs) I really wonder and I mean it still probably would have felt very homey and very small town but in a different way I don't know there's just something about Gilmore Girls that feels cozy and something about fall that feels cozy and they just hold hands and skip (laughs) exactly that's what this article kind of feels like it's trying to answer Mm. um is that like cornering her and being like why is this a fall show i admittedly don't know why this article happened like why this interview took place it doesn't just seem... because gilmore girls is a fall yeah. show and it was the fall yeah yeah it didn't seem promotional for anything other than gilmore girls i suppose but it just was like a really interesting um interview that she gave just to talk about her little fall show i know but it was really nice to get the confirmation that she did intend for this to lean into that like yeah. she did she did and she didn't, right? It just kind yeah. of, like she said, came tumbling out of her when she saw all of these different facets of this small town that she was like, oh, I guess this is where I'm going to put these two women that I just created in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and when she started writing it, she said it all tumbled out. And I think because I was affected at that particular time with those particular visuals, we leaned into that. It's an element that I wanted the show to have. So yeah. she she really did. Like, she unintentionally intended for the show to have that cozy fall autumnal vibe. And I yeah. love getting that confirmation. I love the quote from it that she said, gee, wouldn't it be nice if we all lived in a cute little town where there's nothing but pumpkins and hayrides and everybody knows each other? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it would. It would. And then you built that world for us and we've lived there in our little minds and on our little couches, <laughs> in our little blankets. For exactly. 20, over 20 years. <laughs> 23 years, as this says. 23 Octobers, which I really liked. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a tweet that. that was circulating around recently that, like, so many people sent me, which, like, Gilmore Girls is basically a fantasy show of what it would be like to be the hottest people living in, a, like, a autumnal small town. Of course. 
And I was like, that's exactly what the show is about, Amy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's killing me. I, I open my inbox and I have like three or four of them. Yeah, I'm like, hey. exactly. <laughs> Thank you for sending. Thank- I'm so glad to be your Gilmore Girly Girl. <laughs> I love where you said things like that, too. But one of the most interesting things to me, well, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by this. And this is threaded throughout the article, so we can talk about this a little later. But it sounded like their their budget was very bare bones, which I shouldn't be surprised by. But that is sometimes why they leaned into a lot of the fall decor. It says here, also doing the show on a shoestring budget where we were going to be walking around in a circle on a studio lot in Burbank, California. We weren't actually going to be anywhere on the East Coast. I thought it was important to have a visual context for the show since we weren't going to be able to go off location. So they kind of really leaned into like the pumpkins and like the golden colors and all of that because that's what they had at their disposal and they wanted it to feel like that was the home base for this show since they were never they were always going to kind of be circulating the same location which is stars hollow of course and i just found that to be so interesting that something that could be a detriment ended up being their strength yeah ended up being the whole aesthetic of the show that people Mm -hmm. lean into every single fall yeah my favorite thought process behind that though was that she says it tells a lot about who the characters are like when you see this town and you see the pumpkins and the colors and whatnot that like it tells you who lives there especially um that Lorelai chose to run away to a place like this she said she ran from a different kind of environment to live in this place that would have would have crazy pumpkin patches and festivals. That's where she wanted to stake her claim. And I think that that really is interesting to talk about, like the juxtaposition of Hartford and Emily and Richard's house and the life that she would have had there. Mm. And that like she literally ran away from like her parents to a community, Mm. which is so interesting that she didn't want that in those people, but she did want it in this little pumpkin patch town. Which I... (laughs) I love. And and they do a really good job at kind of cutting the aesthetic when they shift back and forth between Chilton and Hartford and Stars Hollow. Yeah. Which, like, I didn't really think about too hard until reading this article. I'm like, oh, right. Whenever we're in Stars Hollow, it's not even that the colors change too drastically. Because obviously that would be, like, way too ag- egregious if it was just, like, sunshine rainbows whenever they're in Stars it's Hollow. Candyland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know that she's not really a Candyland kind of lady. Um it's not like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel World versus Hartford, Connecticut, yeah. you know. But it is brighter, it is warmer, and it is comfier, cozier. Yeah. It's a little colder, darker, etc. when we go to Chilton, when we go to the Gilmore's house. But still somehow yeah. maintains a little bit of a cozy quality, you know. Yeah, it's just the formality of it. It's like it almost has like the potential to be, um, but it's never going to be, which yeah. Lorelai ran away from. yeah. And then she kind of gets into her own family life because the person who was interviewing her grew up in Connecticut, which I absolutely love. I was like, yes, love this. Um, And she says, I can confirm that you nailed it, which I agree and I disagree. Like there are parts of it that I do agree with. You know what this reminds me of, though, is when we were in Washington Depot, we met a couple of people while we were there and it was super, super like so nice, especially going to the Mayflower Inn, which I know that we've talked about before being like such a like wonderful, lovely place to stop, which is the inn in this article that Amy references having stayed at. Um, We talked at a couple of different places and at each of them, I wanted to ask 
the person at that place if they knew the person that we talked at the previous place <laughs> like when we talked to the bartender jordan who shout out to jordan she's so so sweet Love if, her. like she knew the person at the bookstore because i really wanted to know how much like a small town like this really would know everyone if like they all went to high school together or, like they were different ages but like i just wanted to know i was like do you guys know each other's gossip each other's drama like yeah if we mentioned her name would you know it yeah <laughs> I want to know about all of you. I know. <laughs> I just want to sit there and get the rundown on the town. Yeah, Which is probably, like, why Amy went there and immediately was, like, maybe she asked them, do you get, do you know the person at the bookstore? Yeah. And they were probably like, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> They're actually my cousin. <laughs> exactly. I love it. No, but one of the my favorite things about all of this is, like, that she called Gilmore Girls an aspirational show, mm. where it had an astral, aspirational aspect to it. Which I felt like was so interesting, not because it's like aspirational in the sense of like, you know, like in Gossip Girl, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to wear cute clothes like this. I want to go to New York City. I want to wear a headband. I want to like scheme with my ex-boyfriend for my current boyfriend, you know, like things like that. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's like a career vibe. Like, you know, like I feel like there's different ways that a show can be aspirational. But this one was an aspirational aspect that like um, I could have a good relationship with my mom. Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting that she framed like the connections that you could have with people like that as part of the aspiration. Yeah. That it wasn't, I mean, I think that there is a level of aspiration of like wanting to go to Yale because sure. so many people from the show say that they wanted to be like Rory and go to Yale. Mm. Um, but, or like you want to open a small business maybe. But yeah. like, I think it's interesting that she saw the aspirational aspect of being like, I could be close to my daughter. I could be close to my mom. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah. And what's also super interesting about that and kind of the world that she created to be aspirational is that I didn't realize that Amy, I knew that Amy had been born in New York, or at least Amy's parents came from New York, and -hmm. then they moved out to California. But she considers herself to be an East Coaster. Yeah. Which which I found so interesting. She says here, as soon as I got to New York, I was like, finally, I'm home. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that she felt so at home here because it sounds like she spent most of her life in California. She did. That was like we talked about in her episode is that that's where she grew up and she called it like a town of like beige and brown or something. Yes, exactly. She says that in this article as well. Um, She said it was a cruel cosmic joke that I was born there. I'm an East Coaster and they put me in California to make my life miserable and to make sure that I had something to hold against my parents for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Yeah. But then she she talks about going to not just New York, but coming back to the East Coast and going to small towns and says, but you go to these small towns and they just envelop you. It suddenly feels like you want the family to get together at Christmas and all be in the same house when that's typically a nightmare. When I get out of the small town and get back to Brooklyn, I'm like, I'm crazy. I don't want my whole family in one house together. But when you go to Connecticut, it just feels like that's what it should be. Home, family, closeness, friends, and everything smells like apple cider. It has warmth, and a happiness to it that I think people in an unhappy world gravitate towards. Yeah. And that's the thing is like we just we just had a conversation with someone right before we got on to record this episode where they were like, I just want to put this on at night so I can feel some sort of comfort before I go yeah. to bed. And I think that that is what this show has brought to a lot of people is exactly yeah. what she says at the end of that paragraph. It has a warmth and a happiness to it that I think people in an unhappy world gravitate towards. Our world right now is very, very fragile. She says that later in this Rolling Stone article. And so to have something that feels like home, that feels like a home base and feels comfortable, I think is part of the reason why people not only watch this show in the fall – but that's why people watch the show year round. 
Yeah. That's why they have it on on a loop because it feels like home and that's the energy she wanted to create here. Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting in our last episode or the last one was Gilmore to Read with Adrian Young, which like she I had no idea she was such a big fan, but she said the reason that like she has become so obsessed with it is like nine years ago or something she was so anxious she she started watching Gilmore Girls every night before bed and couldn't fall asleep without Gilmore Girls and like that's not unique to her or to either of us Mm -mm. it's like there is a strong contingency of not only our listeners but just people who watch Gilmore Girls in general who like fall asleep to Gilmore Girls that's like a brand of like listener like there's like like different tiers of listeners I guess it's like people who like watch casually who've seen it a couple of times people Mm -hmm. who watch during the fall in the back background people who watch religiously in the fall and like that's their rewatch people who watch year round and then i think there's the people who like can't fall asleep without these girls lives falling apart as you drift off to sleep yeah and i feel like that's so common because yeah we did just talk to someone who like she moved and she's going through a stressful time so she was like i picked up gilmore girls because that's my comfort that's my comfort food and it's so interesting that a show like that has come from someone who is self-identifies as being so cynical Mm -hmm. and that's what she talks about all the time but she did say that like in in, like an unhappy world people gravitate towards this world and I'm like is that like your fantasy that like that there might be this cozy place that you haven't yet discovered that like might not have the cynical like feelings that you have towards the world I don't know well I think that that is you know her idea of what Washington Depot was is that she came yeah. from such a cynical place maybe mentally physically you know in the way that she talks about California and she was kind of dropped into this world and she yeah. was like oh this is lovely this, this is, is wonderful so nice. I love this what if yeah. I could create this for people all the time yeah she said you don't have to feel horrible for 45 minutes which is like the length of an episode it's just funny that like such dramatic things happen on this show there's so many episodes where like they're not feel good but at the same time we yeah, go back to we comfy feel cozy town every <laughs> single time well it's funny that you mentioned that because you know, they go on in the article to discuss the fact that original fans loved the show in the WB, but then a whole new generation of viewers found Gilmore Girls on Netflix. And now some people are even discovering it on TikTok and on TikTok. Instagram, <laughs> social media. And she asks Amy, you know, what do you think about the ways people are finding Gilmore Girls because of evolving technology and media? And she goes on to talk about how it's so funny because this show is not a technology show at all. Like they maybe had pagers. But what I really love that she talks about here, kind of like what you were saying about like you can escape from the show for 45 minutes. She also goes on later in the article to talk about how the structure of television and the way we consume it and the way that it's produced is different. And that it's connecting with people across generations. And she was so surprised by it because they had 22 episodes to tell a story instead of eight. And she says here, we were very stingy with the plot of Gilmore Girls. Very stingy. We doled it out slowly by design. And that is also not necessarily the way things work or the way people consume things these days. And that I think is kind of why it is a comfort show is because we have talked about episodes that are like no plot, just vibes. And of course. it That's sounds like that was kind of. of by design because <laughs> yeah. she was like, we had 22 episodes to tell a story. So you don't get like, you know, absolutely overwhelmed or a tsunami of drama in one episode. I mean, some of them are very drama some of heavy. Them are, we are drowning in drama. 1000%. But, like, but not but like Marissa Cooper on the side of the road sort correct. of drama. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that was even of the time, right? But think about now. Now yeah. everything is so heightened. And with Gilmore Girls, 
even when things are heightened, it's still a simmer. Totally. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of what we were talking about with Eli Rallo, who is a guest at our live show, who we definitely want to come have on. But she was like, it's hard to like spoil too much of the show because it's just people living their life. And that's really what we're watching. It's like, yeah, we get so many episodes that are like no plot, just vibes or like really low pot, lots of vibes. And then like we've had a couple of episodes were like this is so plot heavy where are the vibes yeah way Um, too plot heavy no vibes but there's so many episodes that make up for that that like i feel like like even like season four episode one which we just watched feels so like plot building like we're like inching to the plot but it is major major vibes yeah um and i that's what i love so much about it is like like you're right like that's really what it is is that there's no we're just watching people's lives unfold yeah totally these are the days of our lives but i love Um. that people are connecting (laughs) with this show now like amy said she's had like 10 year olds come up to her and be like gilmore girls is my favorite show and she's like you were not even a thought in your parents mind when the show was (laughs) created that that shocks me every time that she is surprised by that like admittedly because like she talks about like in this like that a lot of people have found this show on tiktok and that she's like that's weird because there's no technology in the show but i think maybe there's like a generational disconnect or maybe maybe not that like that's like the dream of so many people like so many people just want to disconnect have a flip phone like not be as like entrenched in like the day-to-day lives of other people on social media like i tell you all the time that i like being a witch in the woods on the weekend which Mm -hmm. my therapist really accepted for me which basically just means that like i don't have to like be a part of like technology yeah and i think a lot of people really like fantasize about that about like not being reached about like having to wait to get home to like get a message from some someone and i think a lot of people appreciate that even if like a 10 year old might not understand the mechanics of a pager which maybe we should have an episode explaining what pager is (laughs) oh my god a time capsule episode for sure no but that's why i wrote under the influence because that is a show about like existing in an age where social media is taken away and like things that we have basically integrated into the fabric of our lives in modern times don't exist anymore and you have to exist with the simplicities of what we were once used to and it's because I yen for this kind of life sometimes I miss like when I watch things in the 90s and the 2000s I'm like god those were the days yeah But what's interesting about that is, like, that's so Amy. Like, Amy loves watching old movies. Amy loves watching, like, I I don't want to call Gilmore Girls a period piece yet, but it's, like, well on its way to being there, like, a early 2000s. Like, Mm. we're 23 years from the beginning of the show. That's, like, a significant period of time that, Mm -hmm. like, at some point, this is going to be, like, a period of, like, the early 2000s. And, like, that's what Amy did. She liked to go back and watch old movies, old comedians, like, just from a different time. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's where a lot of references come from. So for her to be meet a 10 year old and be like you weren't even an idea in your parents mind when the show came out it's like same for you with everything you've ever done but it's like but she also has a show from the 1950s so it's also that thing of like why are you surprised that people are watching a show with no technology when you're writing a show about the 1950s so i I understand that it's like a humbleness that like she never expected the show to like have the life that it does beyond its air date but that is that is something that I'm always surprised that she's surprised by, that yeah. maybe she doesn't quite recognize that, like, sh- people watch her show in the same way that she watches shows. Yeah, for sure. movies. Yeah, and consumes pop culture. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, I also think that at the time, no one saw what was coming when it came to 
the way that television and film would be promoted and projected and so accessible to everybody. Yeah. At this so time. accessible. Because that's why it's so widely popular is because it's so much more accessible than it ever yeah. was. On Netflix. Like Netflix the really was like the resurgence of Gilmore Girls because like we got to watch it on WB and ABC Family. Mm-hmm. But it's not often that you find people that like – watched it fully on the wb or i didn't on abc yeah. um which that's why i was so that's why i'm so excited to bring adrian young back is because she watched it in full on the wb she watched wow. it like every episode live um which Dang, is really exciting but that's like, so cool yeah but most people watched it on netflix yeah and it wasn't until that was available and she does go on a little bit to talk about streaming and like the problems with like why the strike happened and that like yes. at the time the contracts getting written were always 10 years behind the problem. Like what writers I was didn't... so intrigued by is that writers did not get paid for DVDs. For DVDs. <gasps> and now no one watches DVDs. So like that was... They like completely the... missed that era. It was like bypassed. Yeah. Which yeah. the DVD era was huge. It was huge, but it's completely gone now. Like, yeah. It's almost like people buy them like nostalgically. It really is. It's true. At this point. But yeah, she t- she went on to talk a little bit about like SAG and um, that it's streaming like has really taken over because tv just is not watched in the same way which is so true like there's just not you don't get those like 22 episode Mm. following the lives following the seasons of people's lives in that same way yeah which is just sad i know i wish that we had more of that i wish we said this the other day i don't know if we said it on pod or just to each other or on Patreon. Um, oh, oh I yeah, think it was we on Patreon. This. But we were talking about how you you had said, you know, I don't wait for a show to come out week to week anymore. It's just not no. what I do. And yeah. I still do with mostly reality shows. I yeah. will wait for a show to come out week to week. Um, but everything else is not really a week to week situation anymore. You don't yeah. have to wait. I've become so impatient. I don't know how I would exist in the year 2000. <laughs> Because we were talking about your obsession with Dancing with the Stars. I wouldn't call it an obsession, but I do follow Dancing with the Stars, yeah. yes. Your your adoration. I do love rather. it. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Justice for Barry. <laughs> Justice for Barry Justice Williams. Justice for Barry Williams. I'm very upset. Oh, my God. Not to make this about Barry Williams, but like... Justice for Barry Williams. Justice for Barry Williams. I know. I'm very I'm very concerned for all of my <laughs> friends who are not my friends on this show. Yeah. We are... This pod is a friend of Barry Williams. It really a is. A friend to one and all, but specifically Barry Williams. <laughs> I don't know anything about that man except for the fact that he was on the Brady Bunch and that he really deserves better on Dancing Yes. <laughs> yes. But anyway, anyways, back to this. I will say there is a lot of moments that Amy talks like Lorelai, and I can feel it so oh, yeah. like, presently. Yeah, of like course. Like when she says, well, I'm very self-absorbed, so I really just think about myself when it comes to writing the revival. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, Lorelai. I know. <laughs> but I, I did appreciate her kind of confirming, like, I wrote this because I didn't get to finish my show. And yeah. I was like, amen, babe. Yeah. But I'm really curious about what she says here about the last four words. She said, when we got that revival together, I felt like I had to finish it. I opened my big fucking mouth and said, I know the last four words of the series. Maybe, Amy, (laughs) shut the fuck up. It became such a thing that I was kind of like, I think I've got to follow through on my big mouth promise. So I wonder, had she not told anybody about that? Because the last four words, the last four words, I feel like that's all we've heard about, right? Yeah. 
But we knew that a long time ago, like when the show was still airing. Yeah, but like, I wonder had she not really said anything to anybody, if she would have ended it differently. Oh, she almost was like, I don't, I mean, maybe not, like maybe she could have come up with four other words. Like she's not necessarily beholden to it, but if she would have had the opportunity to come back and do that in the way that the lore suggested she needed to. Yeah. My favorite line from that was, maybe Amy, shut the the fuck up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love telling past me to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Do you know how many times I've listened to things that I've said, especially on this podcast in the past? I've been like, maybe Tara, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. It's very like rare that you are in a situation where you have like such long conversations of yourself talking recorded. Yeah. And you're just like, like like, for me, a really big one is um, Obama's parade tour. That (laughs) has will always live in infamy. Not to like segue, but I was talking to my therapist about this yesterday where I was like, sometimes I say really dumb things and it ends up in front of thousands of people. How do I feel about that? And she was like, it just happens. You just move along. Everyone says dumb things. And I was like, yeah, but not like this. But like in front of, well, I I said this at, um, I said this at the live show and I think I may have said this on air after we did our live show. When we do this, it feels like it's just you and me. Yeah, definitely. I know that there are people listening. <laughs> I guess. But I don't think about it too hard. And I think yeah. I maybe should think about it a little bit harder sometimes. It's, o- it's only when I go back and hear like, who's Archibald? Or like um, <laughs> Obama's parade tour that I'm just like, yeah, sometimes you're a little dumb. It's okay. <laughs> We're all a little dumb sometimes. But not everyone's putting it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Correct. But I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what sells our silly little show is the dumb little <laughs> things we say. So when I heard, read her say, maybe, Amy, shut the fuck up. I was like, can I identify? I, like I can, can identify. And like, I will say one of the things that makes Gilmore Girls, I guess, wholesome is that there is no cursing. Um, yeah. Nina, which we know Amy yes, loves. I know. Um, well, because Maisel is just chock full of yeah. them. Yeah. But you know, you posted this, I think, on your Instagram story recently because you were watching the Did pilot I? episode, right? You were watching the oh, pilot. Oh, yes, I and was. It's Silently. when <laughs> Lorelai, yes, you were watching with subtitles and Lorelai says to Rory, hey, I thought I got to be the bitch tonight. And you were like, I'm so glad that they did away with this. And I was like, me too. Yeah, I remember us talking about that when we first covered like, the did, pilot. Yeah, on Patreon is that like the tone of the show was so aggressive. I would say even in the first couple of episodes like Luke was so aggressive Mm. and like Lorelai saying like hey I thought I got to be the bitch today it's like whoa where's this energy coming from me dear yeah and so like that was something that like it just felt wrong it felt too aggressive from the show that I know and something that this article kind of ends on because I know we have a lot more to talk about than the end is that this is a really gentle show and Mm. I agree I mean there's a lot of hey there's a lot of drama that happens and you know it's my favorite part but But gentle drama there's it's a gentleness to it it's like not that i'm saying that like cursing is not something that can come across in like a you know easy non-offensive way sure like i i more so prefer to use it as like a emphasis to a word rather than in a derogatory way kind of makes me uncomfortable when people use it derogatorily um but yeah like the show doesn't have it on either of those directions and so I think that there's a part of it that like it spans a large swath of ages because even if there's things that they're talking about that might be a little bit questionable for an 11 year old just in terms of like content of like talking about maybe as they get older 
like infidelity, talking about like sex and things like that. But like, I don't know, maybe it's time to to introduce it but they're not cursing but it's palatable yeah it's yeah. like being introduced like you said in a gentle way like there were yeah. so many things that you and i watched growing up with the show that Gossip i did not Girl. understand <laughs> oh oh yeah other shows but yeah. i just mean like so many scenes that we watched in gilmore girls that we oh. didn't understand what they were talking about yeah for if the you most thought part climbing through that window was hard <laughs> I still don't know. That's one of the biggest questions I have for Amy Sherman Palladino is if she meant the innuendo of if you, if you thought climbing in that window was hard. Oh, she it's may like, not have. It's true. But his, the rest of this, the line was climbing out would be equally as difficult. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what we all thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Until but we, I don't know. you know, became women and we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we we're like, wait a Hold minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> but... A lot of what the rest of this article is about, besides the SAG and WGA strike, which you did talk about, is about the revival and about the possibility of more. And you know what I found the most interesting is, of course, like, Amy is gung-ho. Lauren is gung-ho. I believe it says Scott is gung-ho. Alexis was the one to be like, I don't think we need more. And I agree with Alexis Bledel. I Well, you know, it's interesting. For her book, Lauren Graham was on a morning show. I don't know which one it was. It was one of them. There were two people talking to her and it was in the morning time. Um, And she was talking about the revival and that like she is always, you know, open to the possibility. She loved the character. She loves the writing. She loves working with Amy. But there is always the question of exactly what you said and what Alexis feels is like, is that something that we need to revisit? Mm. Um. And that's always the question that we have. Would I watch more? 1,000 million percent. Of course. Of course I want to go back to my cozy little town. Yeah. Do I think that the story needs to, like, be at rest? Potentially. I think that I'd rather see a prequel than a continuation. Oh, a prequel would be so good. Um, but yeah, I just think part of it is I think the reason people ask is because there's they've they're always like, maybe perhaps and they like did it once and it's like why would they not do it again but there's never no one has ever been like no like there's always been like i'm open like she said so amy has said so that like if she wakes up in the middle of the night with the right thought Mm -hmm. she did mention something about like uh because they were all in texas for atx um and she said no one everyone got along and everyone liked each other which is nice (laughs) that's wonderful she said it would have to be so- something like that where her and Lauren are stumbling drunk out of a bar and they just feel like it's the right moment, which is an interesting time, that right moment. Um, but yeah, she said it's something along the lines of she would need to like wake up in the middle of the night and have this like deep inspiration that like it just made sense and she would do it. Yeah. And I kind of think that that's it's like keeping people on their toes, like keeping people. Of course. This yeah. Hope. I mean, I, I love that she's not like, no. It's never going to yeah. happen. No, we're not doing it. Because she's yeah. like, yeah, there's always the possibility for more if I come up with a story that I want to tell. I know. It just made me, in the context of this Lauren Graham interview, it kind of made me a little bit sad simply because she was there to talk about her book. And like, I don't know. It just feels like every single interview she's ever been in since 2016 is when is the next one. Yeah. And it's like, she's like, there's no formal conversation. Like, of course, I love this show. And that's kind of what it is. But it's yeah. like, how many times these people got to hear it? You'll hear it. You'll know. You'll know You'll if there's know. a formal conversation. We'll yeah. Hear, they'll announce it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So something about it made me sad. 
yeah she couldn't, i totally like, have her interview couldn't have kind of her moment yeah that's hard when you are part of something that's so successful and especially in the ways and and they talk about it in this article how she and amy lauren i mean and amy kind of marvel at the ways in which this show just continues to get more popular as time yeah. goes on and as they move farther <laughs> away from the show actually being produced yeah. um you know it's hard when you are a part of a hit like that and to move away from people asking questions like that as many of you know, Matthew Perry just passed from Friends. Yeah. Very heartbreaking, very Rest sad. Peace, Matthew. But he does, he did talk about, you know, before he passed away, and obviously it was unexpected, you know, when I pass away, I hope Friends is like down there on the list of things that I've done, you know, but that was really hard. How yeah. can you really, when you are so widely known for something, and I'm not saying that he should only be known for Friends. He no. did a lot of other brilliant things, um, not even just acting-wise. He did a lot of other brilliant things in his life with how much advocacy he did for people who were struggling with addiction. But he wanted to be remembered for being that advocate and for being that friend, for being funny, for like all of the ways in which he is going to be remembered. But Friends yeah. is so high up on that list, and I'm sure he was – always asked about friends for the rest of his life because that was such an iconic show and so it's hard like when you find success with something like that and you're trying to do other things like write the book or you know do something else for people to not ask yeah it's hard it's hard for that to not hijack the conversation yeah and like probably the same with amy i'm sure every time she does something for Maisel she's probably asked about that as well um I wonder because Maisel was such a hit and kind of stood on its own in a lot of ways because there are several people who I've spoken to who did not know Maisel and Gilmore Girls were written by the same person Ooh, but anyone asking her about it like yeah probably knows you're right probably knows and like maybe not maybe she's the one who gets away and it's the actors who get pigeonholed in this project that is like so beloved and what's so interesting is what I was talking about earlier is like that we were like ranked very high in Germany is that like at the end of this article and like when her and Lauren are like just marveling at the fact that like what the fuck happened here like how did this like low budget show become one of like the biggest like network television tv shows too or I guess it's not network television technically or it's one of the biggest tv shows at this point and is so beloved um especially because the quote that she said is, we just lose money on Gilmore Girls because there's no overseas viewers. It's just about two girls who cares about the girls is what she was being told at the time. And it's just interesting that that is pulled from that because like, not not just the show, we have tons of overseas listeners and like people all over the world who write in, call in, who love this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all because it's rooted in this TV show. So this very, very tiny example of our show, of like the full reach of this TV show, like mm-hmm. beyond what it was, it's just so interesting because they never could have predicted it. I know. And and again, like that kind of harkens back to the reality that like no one could have seen the accessibility that this show or that any show has now at this point so that it could be so widely loved across the globe right yeah but it's just so fascinating to me that that's what they were being told yeah i know and, and like it probably have been true, true. <laughs> i'm not saying they were yeah. lying but that like there are so many people internationally who absolutely adore this show yeah no totally but wait going back to the revival like in like re like i guess like doing a second revival and like revisiting the actual revival it's interesting here some of the storylines that she was like talking about where like she felt like she didn't have enough time or things that happened is like I couldn't tell 
if these pieces that she was talking about were in the revival Mm -hmm. or if they were at another point because she shared a little bit about her feelings on Lane's Mm storyline and I don't know like I guess I'd have to go back and see if she's ever talked about this before but like if she felt at the time within the series that she didn't like Lane's storyline or if it's specifically a season seven thing or if that uh moves into the revival as well because yeah. that's what she said yeah she she, was- she says something to the effect of like you know I never I never really loved the way that Lane's storyline shook out and yeah. I don't and she apologizes know if- to her friend Helen yes yes based on and I don't know if she means like you said with you know everything that happened in season seven but she had an opportunity to rectify that I know and she didn't take it which uh-huh. I'm very surprised by. So yeah, I wonder yeah. if it's in hindsight, like now seeing the revival play out. And I mean, I know Amy's not on social media, so I don't know what she hears, what she's aware of, right. what she knows that the fandom feels, but yeah. that we're all very disappointed in the way that Lane's storyline shook out, not just in season seven, because we could at least blame that on those writers. But in yeah. the revival, we were like, what do you mean? Yeah. She's just and like, you somewhat know. Somewhat in the series. But like, yeah, of course. I just couldn't tell where she was coming from because this was the only storyline that she came up with that, or like, offered up that like she wished she had done more for, or like had different ideas, or said there wasn't enough time for. And that's okay, and so, you know. I I I have to imagine that if she felt that way when the revival was happening, that maybe she could have kind of played yeah. on that. Um, but. It's okay to revisit and go, wow, I really uh, didn't do that yeah. character justice in the way that I thought I was at the time. I mean, again, exactly. we're, we're talking about like 20 plus years <laughs> in the future yeah. that she's looking back and going, damn. And that we do that as well. I know. And that was like what I wanted to like kind of figure out is if it was from season seven to revival or if it was like her own writing or if it was reflecting on the revival um, and like how 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 like where it was that that kind of feeling started but i like that she feels that way because we all feel that way yes it was really nice to hear that she felt that way yeah but what i felt to be the most interesting is that there was a storyline that she said she had that she didn't have enough time for and i felt like this was probably in the revival that really was the only place that this made sense um she said that there was not enough time but there was a 10 minute musical might might I add? I was um, just about to say that, but yes, carry on. Um, was that there was this plot line that Mrs. Kim was going to be managing a K-pop band. And I was like, what? I find that so fascinating because she does say here, this was years before I even knew who BTS was. I sort of feel like, God damn it, that K-pop storyline would have been so cool. And I'm like, where were you going to put that? I imagine in the revival. It has to have been. Right? And it's like... The thought of that, because, like, I feel like in order to give Mrs. Kim this, like, real fleshed out, like, meaty sort of story, it felt like to be the manager of a K-pop band. Like, is a K-pop band rolling through Stars Hollow? Like, would they perform? I don't know. Because, (laughs) you know, after the way that she, you know, kind of takes charge of Lane's band and that tour and everything and she kind of like puts her hands on the wheel of that you know would have been really interesting to see her choose a new career path but I just feel like that would have been out of character for Mrs. Kim yeah I mean it just feels very out of pocket she does but it must have it it had to have been a revival plot line because I think adding that into the initial story would have been 
kind of out of the blue. Yeah, it wouldn't have made a ton of sense. But the thing to that is that I feel like with an added Mrs. Kim plot, there has to be a Lane plot line yeah, that right. it corresponds to. And so I wonder if that was where the time didn't make sense, is that they would have had to have given more time to Lane if they're giving more time to Mrs. Kim, mm-hmm. um, just because of the corresponding nature of the mother-daughter relationship and how it plays into the show. Um, but immediately I was like, I would love that because like mm-hmm. I love Blackpink. And so just like the idea of like who Mrs. Kim would have been managing, like how that would have played out. Like, I don't know, because like K-pop is its own. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so I just am so fascinated to how that would have played out in the show. Yeah, me um, too. Me too. I'm really curious how they would have integrated that into the show and how they would have explained her journey there. Yeah. Um, because I do agree with you. It could have been very exciting. But I just yeah. feel like like Mrs. Kim managing a K-pop band feels so out of pocket for the actual tone of the show. I know. It didn't but make a lot of But a lot of, of the sense. revival felt a little out of pocket for the tone of the show because it was taking place in Absolutely. 2016. So I, maybe it would have fit right in. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know what they would have taken away. Hopefully the musical. Maybe we would have done away with the musical as a whole and the K-pop band would have been coming to town. That yeah, doesn't but feel Amy, right. <laughs> Amy does not turn down a musical, I don't think. Yeah. That woman loves a musical. Yeah. It's just so fascinating that like of all the things that she decided to reveal because like she doesn't talk about what she would have wanted in season seven, which is really fascinating that Lauren Graham, she said in this, called her every week during season seven <gasps> and know. said this is what i have to say this week i had never heard that before i hadn't either I that was that. so fascinating so fascinating and so for and her I, to- it broke my heart that she was like it was really sad watching season seven was too hard yeah and i was like man i would feel that way too oh i would totally but, feel that way but i will say to that sad feeling she has never been like this is what i think should have happened Mm -hmm. because she respects those writers enough to let their story hold up to what Mm -hmm. it was um and i don't think that she's ever shared like i wish this storyline would have been there i had this idea about this and so it's interesting that the only real like nugget we've ever gotten was that like there was going to be a k-pop band that was going to be managed by mrs kim which yeah hey would have been fascinating to watch but would have been yeah and i'm also really curious to know if there were other things that ended up on the cutting room floor that's exactly where my thought process went to i was like i was like what other what else did we miss out because we had to put this musical in (laughs) we could have had one more winter episode yeah (laughs) there are more seasons there's like you know after we go through the four they just repeat again yeah But I just loved that she did a fresh article about this. I feel like it's been a minute since we've had like a really strong and solid Amy perspective. Um, Because as you all know, we did an Amy episode back in the spring. And it was really cool to kind of dig deep. But we didn't have this kind of info. I know. A lot of what we had was recent, but not like a month ago recent. Not like a couple of weeks ago recent. Yeah. And you can go read the full article if you want to. And you should. um, Rolling Stone. It's very well I feel like it's very well done. Very well um, written. If she wants to do another little um, deep dive into Gilmore Girls, I know two girls who would uh, love to do it. So, uh, Amy, 
don't come here and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, no, please. Please do the opposite yeah. of shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I do want to end this with her final thought, yeah. which is that she said something that's going to bother her for the rest of her life is yeah. that Lauren Graham was never acknowledged for her work. Awards-wise. Award. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, she's definitely been acknowledged for her work. Please yeah, see no. the last several <laughs> episodes we've done. Um, but the thing is, is that I feel like people didn't quite know where to put this show. It was a drama. I think that it probably would have fallen into the drama category but it was also a comedy like it was a dramedy yeah. it is a classic dramedy and I just don't think people knew where to put this show in a time in television where it was like comedy and drama and like yeah. there was a very very clear separation between the two I don't think people appreciated the nuance of Gilmore Girls as much as they do now and all of that is to say I don't think it needed the accolades in order to get yeah. to where it is today no and that's what she says that's what she said in the past is it's always about Lauren Graham it's not, never anything about the show. I mean, because she does her. say she was doing something very different than what was being done on television, and she's completely right. Like, yeah, Lauren we has a style torch of, as well. Yeah, and Lauren had a style, has a style of comedy that is so, again, nuanced. And it comes from Amy's mind, but she did it so well. She, there's no one else who could have done this like Lauren Graham did. But I think that the real award is that she's going to have this character that is just so admired and adored by this fan base. I think Lorelai Gilmore is such an iconic character. Like, even if yeah. people don't watch the show, they still know who the character is. And One of the it best just continues to get time. more and yeah. more popular, like I said earlier, as we get farther and farther away yeah. from when the show is actually produced. So that, to yeah. me, is priceless. Can I ask you one question about this article, despite the fact this is a great place to end this conversation? Sure. She was talking about one of the best days of her life being Lorelai and Rory riding in a sled as Bjork played in the background. Did that happen? Yeah. Lorelai and Rory ride in the sled together? Yeah, at the end of the episode, at the end of the Bracebridge dinner, the episode you don't like. <laughs> okay. Because I just remembered the Jess and Rory and Luke and... Of the course, other but then at the end of the episode, <laughs> when they're all saying goodbye to everybody, and she says, you know, let's go, and Rory's like, well, what about our stuff? She's like, I don't want to carry all my stuff home because we're going to be walking, and she says, who said anything about walking? And they get in the right. sled, and they wa- they they sled on by the- <laughs> They um, slide home. <laughs> they slide home, but they pass that snowman that has been destroyed by probably Jess. Right. Okay. I completely forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. No, I just was like, is that, did that what? happen? What? What? No, but she said that was the best day of her life. And Which I, was I like, thought was so sweet. I love that for her so much. I do too. And I love that it was a snowy episode because they were talking about fall episodes and uh, the person interviewing asked her, you know, what was your favorite fall moment? She was like, I can't think of any off the top of my head because there were just so many, but I will remember the best day of my life. And it was when yeah. we, you know, filmed that that scene. And I was like, dang. Yeah. That's okay. so special. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit dumb, but I'm glad we could you don't watch that episode very often. It's That's not one of your go-tos. Fair. It's not. But I had to double check on that because I just was like, is she wrong when? about one of the best days of her life? Oh, that would be I sad. I was wrong. I was wrong. That's how sad I would it be to if know. you were wrong about one of the best days of your life. Yeah. But no, she was not. And I'm, glad, I'm very glad that one of the best days of her life was this show. Yeah, me too. But anyway, we hope that you go and read the article. I mean, we basically covered everything, but there are so many nooks and crannies to it. Definitely yeah. go and read it. Yeah. But I'm really excited about next week's episode because we're going to be celebrating Miss Haley's birthday. Yes. I'm turning 31 this Sunday. Wow. Very excited. And in the full, you know, 
spirit of it's supposed to be fun turning 31 Mm -hmm. we are gonna have a taylor swift x gilmore girls episode again Mm -hmm. um and i am really excited because i know that a lot of people really really love these if you don't i actually know that you don't because you like to personally reach out to me and dm me and tell me that you don't like them yeah um (laughs) which is very honestly my least favorite thing about this podcast yeah do that (laughs) i don't think we need to do all that (laughs) Like, I'm glad you have opinions, but also you don't need to tell Haley. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You can keep it to yourself. You can keep it to yourself. Give it to next week when we do Tara's birthday. Yes. We'll save that. But yeah, so next week will be a Taylor Swift Gilmore Girls episode with our girl Tara's favorite, one of her favorite albums, which is, of course, 1989 Taylor's version. Just came out. Um, Very excited to break it down. Break it down with the core songs and the vault tracks. And I, for one, am very excited. And we'll have more to say on that in the next episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.